Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is managing editor James Kleiman to talk about the state of the Jumbo market. Our newsroom did a data-driven look at what's happened to Jumbo this year, and it's fascinating. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how are trigger leads impacting borrowers? So trigger leads have become a very big issue throughout many industries, not just mortgages, but specifically to mortgages. What we've seen happen is a loan officer or a broker will pull credit and sometime within minutes, but uh, definitely within the hour, uh, we've had consumers receive upwards of 40 calls. You know, within a day or two, they may receive hundreds of calls. So that's the reason that UWM created SafeCheck to protect borrowers. Thanks, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more about SafeCheck at uwm.com. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, good to be back. Great to have you. We have so many amazing feature stories this week um, on housingwire.com, but I wanted to focus in on a two-part series that you guys did. Um, I believe Flavia Ferlan Nunez did it um, along with the data um, that Will provided. So let's talk about that. And that is a turning point for Jumbo mortgages. Sure. So the overall mortgage market, it's struggling, uh, but the jumbo mortgage market is on a totally different level. So we've been following some of the trend lines for a while, but it really hit a low point in the first quarter. And so according to Inside Mortgage Finance data, there's just about $37 billion in jumbo originations that occurred during that period. And that was down about 73% year over year. And the overall mortgage market was down about 62% during that same period. So the market is bad, but the Jumbo market is especially bad. And we wanted to do a dive into some of the reasons that we're seeing such a big pullback in Jumbo. We have seen uh, the largest player in that space dramatically reduce its uh, interest, its origination volume in Jumbo lending. Uh, its biggest competitors have either exited the space or have similarly decided that this wasn't going to be as big a priority in their overall mortgage uh, market strategy. And then we've seen a couple interesting non-banks, Guaranteed Rate, Rocket Mortgage, and UWM start to make a little bit of noise, but remain very much on the fringes in that space. Uh, And so really the first story was examining how did this happen? (laughs) Why is it worse than the overall mortgage market, which is clearly in a very difficult place. And it's never one thing, right? It's a combination of a lot of different things. And, and it really depends on the type of lending institution that you are. So we're really looking at kind of the top 10, top 15 uh, jumbo lenders. And so Will Robinson, our data journalist, crunched all the numbers. We built this massive uh, database of Humda data going back from 2018 to 2022. And so we can track one how many lenders decided they're not going to do any jumbos whatsoever 
2022. And 138 lenders decided this isn't a space that we're going to operate in. And so bye-bye. For the most part, those are smaller or regional lenders. and, um, And it follows a larger trend line, which is I think something like 900 lenders in total have uh, exited the jumbo space since 2018. So we have seen a consolidation of that jumbo space. And we have also seen some of those big banks decide we have so many regulatory issues, forgetting even the new news on Basel III, uh, but there's just a lot going on in that space. And traditionally, the big banks and the regional players as well use jumbo loans as a device to score deposits from customers, right? They're going after jumbos by definition are expensive mortgages. They are too big for Fannie or Freddie to purchase. You know, as of last year, that was about a million dollars in in some areas. We're talking about almost exclusively high cost of living areas. So California, Florida, Texas, New York, parts of New England, there are smaller areas in the country that we're starting to see a little bit more business in jumbo. But traditionally, between California, New York, and Florida, that's like 70% of the market right there, if not more. So this is really where the lenders have positioned um, a lot of their operations for jumbo. And it's a way for them to convince a wealthy individual to do business with them. And you can sell them credit cards, insurance, you can maybe provide a commercial loan to their business, their perhaps an entrepreneur, maybe they have a big investment portfolio and that's really attractive. And all the while, you know, they're, they're going to be putting maybe a million, maybe 2 million, maybe, maybe more uh, in, in deposits in your bank. And that's really the business that they, they want uh, because it grows other business. And if the cost of doing that is providing a, a rock bottom rate for a jumbo mortgage to someone with immaculate credit, and a ton of money and more than 20% equity in, in most cases in these jumbo loans, that doesn't sound particularly risky, right? If you're trying to do much more business with a wealthy individual. And so Wells Fargo, JP Morgan Chase, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, a lot of uh, lenders that have wealth management arms, this is a prime uh you know, we, we talk about the funnel, right? This is the perfect example of getting somebody into that funnel and then really being able to build a much more robust business on on other services. I think it was interesting um, in the story, we uh, quote Liz Bryant, who's the head of retail mortgage sales at City, And, you know, she echoed what you just said about, you know, it's usually those high cost coastal markets, but that there is some change going on when when you have the migration from some of those uh, markets to more affordable markets or used to be more affordable more- affordable markets, what happens there? And what happens, especially if you have a concentration, say like Austin, um, some other places, uh, you know, you're driving up the the prices um, into that jumbo area in a, in a place that's not really used to that. And I thought that that was a really interesting observation. Yeah. And so it, it used to be basically California and New York and Florida and a couple other spots here and there, you know, obviously there's wealth in Chicago, there's wealth in uh, on some level in, in a lot of places, America's a wealthy country. And, and there are still, there are really expensive homes in Alabama, you know, and, and if you want to finance that, you're probably going to be getting a jumbo mortgage. But for the most part, it's been these, these, excuse me, really concentrated markets 
the pandemic brought a lot of that wealth to other areas. And so suddenly there's jumbos that never got done in Charlotte. There's big jumbo activity now in Boise, in Austin. Seattle has really blossomed, right? There are a lot of these, what used to be tertiary markets, and it's not going to replace what's happening in, in New York, Florida, California. I mean, we're, we're talking about um, just just a, a, just a very different place still. You know, you're not going to find a $20 million house in Austin. You can keep looking, but you know, it's not going to, it's, it, by the way, if there are any realtors listening, if you find one, there might be some in the lake. Uh, I'm just saying, but as far <laughs> just as I'm saying aware, there might be, maybe. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. Um, but, but the point being, you know, this, the, these are markets that might become bigger, a uh, bigger focus for lenders in the next five years. I think what's really striking here is we're at a really precarious moment for mortgage lending. You know, on the one hand, you have the banks being squeezed by by their thing. You, you mentioned the Basel Three, which you know we talked about the Basel Three endgame a little bit last last week. But you know that's that could be squeezing them from that part. Like, there's not a lot of mortgage l- lending they want to do. The, the jumbo is really the only part they want to do. They'll they'll do it if you're if you're a customer, you want a mortgage. Okay, they'll do it, but. Uh, on the other hand, the IMBs, I mean, there's some some problems here. First of all, jumbos, you know, IMBs don't do a lot of jumbo for, for obvious reasons. They can't, they can't sell them like, you know, they don't want to hold it. They don't have portfolios to hold them on, right? But also, um, they, you know, it, it affects the Basel III endgame affects uh, IMBs because of the warehouse lines of credit, right, which are being affected potentially. So we're in a very tricky spot. So it's it's unfortunate to see jumbo lending getting squeezed too. Yeah, and like you mentioned, there's nobody at J.P. Morgan Chase or Wells Fargo that want to be you know, securitizing uh, FHA loans that want to be working on correspondent lending on, you know, just that sort of class of loans. It's just not something they're interested in, and so in terms of originations, this is really what they've been doing. You know, they're not, they're not looking to work on Fannie and Freddie loans necessarily. That's not really their, um, their business model. They'll do conventional mortgages, but they're typically not selling them right to the, to the GSEs. So the jumbos was where they started to really um, do their business. And then correspondent has been a big part of the jumbo space because there are a lot of smaller banks, community banks, regional banks, and they work with the JP Morgan Chases. They work with the Wells Fargo's, the U.S. banks. And Wells Fargo exiting the correspondent channel in January has really uh, made the pricing extremely difficult in a lot of marketplaces. And so it used to be that, you know, you could get a really good deal working through a correspondent lender for a jumbo loan today. You're not going to get a deal on that. Uh, and so they just, they can't work on that product right now. So if that was something like two thirds of your portfolio, and now it's going to be maybe a third at best, um, you have to get pretty good at doing conventional and government loans pretty quickly. And a lot of these regional banks have already had documented struggles in, in mortgage. So it, it's not, I think, fair to say uh, a, a big benefit to this space right now. So that that's one of the major complicating factors. And the other is there are a lot of regional banks that just probably shouldn't be doing this kind of business anyway. So you look at First Republic and they're kind of the poster child, I think, in this cycle for a lot of 
might have seemed like good idea. Uh, mortgage programs, uh, basically interest only mortgage that you don't have to pay back for a decade. But if there's a bank run and you don't really have a lot, you know, you just, you can't sustain that kind of business. So that does, I think, prove that a lot of these regional banks don't want to get in over their heads. A lot of the big banks previously had said, okay, we're going to give you a great deal on a jumbo mortgage. Is that worth it now? The deposits haven't been sticky. That hasn't really um, worked out, certainly as First Republic envisioned, right? Um, so it, it's probably just too much risk for, you know, and speaking of larger banking trends, there's already been a flock to the safety of these big banks anyway. So they don't have to offer a really competitive rate that wealthy person's probably already going to go to you anyway, or the competition is, has been thinned out pretty dramatically. So I, I don't think it's going to be a space that we're going to see a lot of business in over the next couple quarters, maybe when interest rates really drop. But if you also consider the fact that these are, these are big loans. And so the movement of rates affects it, uh, affects these loans much more than a $280,000 loan, right? Because 1% on a $1 million loan is a, is a lot of money. It is. Um, you know, the the article quotes Kate Amore, who's the senior vice president and head of enterprise products at Guaranteed Rate. And she was talking about the spread between your, you know, conforming loans and jumbo loans and how it's kind of gotten uh, wonky here. I mean, it, it used to be that that would be a, a, a good thing for the banks, right? It's one of the reasons they were interested. But, you know, she talked about how the positive spread between jumbo and conforming um, is is really taking a hit, and it's the regional bank crisis that's that's causing that. Yeah, I, I mean the, the spread is <laughs> it's pretty crazy in general. The, the mortgage industry has some really wild spreads happening, and that's been the case for quite some time. And, and that makes it really difficult, also for the IMBs. Uh, l- let's talk about the IMBs a little bit. So they're looking for business. They want to expand into any corner of the industry that is fairly safe and. Jumbos, at least in terms of credit and, uh, you know, funds available. People think that these are still pretty safe loans. You're not seeing defaults. You're not seeing problems with the jumbos, right? It's still considered a pretty safe space. But um, the business model of the IMB is you don't have deposits. You don't have the low cost of funding. And so if you can't keep it on your books, then you have to sell it pretty much immediately. You can't sell it to Fannie or Freddie. You can't hold it. So what do you do? You have to sell it, uh, you know, basically on the POS, the private label securities market. And you're not going to be able to get pricing nearly as good as, uh, you know, what, what the banks can do. It's just, so you don't really have the margins to play with. It's not going to be a big percent of what these IMBs do. Even let, let's look at UWM. UWM has right now been, been you know, probably the most aggressive of the IMEs in the jumbo space. And they did something like 7 billion last year, which don't get me wrong is a very respectable number that put them at number nine overall in 2022. Let's say knowing that first Republic is out uh, union bank got acquired by us bank. So they're out first Republic is out now part of JP Morgan chase and that program that they ran with the, with the rock bottom rates, you know, and you don't have to pay anything for a decade uh, has been already eliminated. Um, so 
three lenders down, Wells Fargo exiting correspondent, even if UWM wanted to jump into, let's say, fifth spot, you know, mid-pack, how much are they doing in this space this year? Eight billion, maybe, at, at most. Um, they were down in the first quarter. Basically, everybody was down in the first quarter. Uh, there's just not a lot that you can get right now in the jumbo lending space because the rates are really high. And more likely, you're going to be looking at refi opportunities in jumbo. And we don't look like we're going to be getting into the fives anytime soon. So I, I just don't see this being uh, a big opportunity for the IMBs. But what it does do is really open up a lot of options for their bankers or broker partners, because instead of having to previously face up against a Wells Fargo who you know can offer 125 basis points lower than an IMB, maybe Wells isn't even participating at this point in time, right? So you have much less competition. Your brokers or bankers have far more options and that is a pretty good way to build up a client base, even if they don't do the loan this year, but maybe next year, maybe two years from now, maybe people have been pushing off life events and, and this is a good opportunity to kind of, you know, at least stake a claim and at least stand into, uh, you know, a market that does have potential in the future when rates improve, when maybe there's a little bit more overall stability in the banking market. So I, I think it's really a play for the future. Uh, and, and it's also, a good time to start developing, uh, you know, a, a different business, frankly. No, those are all great points. You know, on part two of this series, we really looked at, um, and, and the whole series was made possible because Will Robinson, who is our new data journalist, we're so excited about him, was really able to get into the Humda data, which is a massive data set and, and, look at things um, and and create really, really get his arms around it so that we can look going forward at, at a number of things. But in this one, he was really looking at, okay, so who are the top 10 jumbo lenders of 2022? And we can go through some of those, but as, as it points out, it's been a crazy year that, you know, those numbers are going to be um, much changed by, by the time we look at it for next year, but Wells Fargo by far the biggest jumbo lender, maybe go into some of those, um, those numbers from 2022. Yeah, so Wells Fargo did about $28 billion in 2022, and that was about $7 or $8 billion more than anyone else. And I don't think that's much of a surprise. Wells Fargo has been the leader in jumbos for, for many years now, um, and they've always offered really competitive rates. And they have a really well-established or did have a really well-established correspondent network. And, and so often that was the place you went. If you're a correspondent lender, one of the partners at, you know, hundreds of different banks across the country, especially on the East Coast and on the West Coast, that was your first call. You go to Wells Fargo and they'd buy, they'd buy up your loan a couple of days later and, and boom, you know, and then you're, you're ready to go get a new one. And, uh, and, and that was a really strong business for them, but it's just not a place that they want to be going forward. And so, you know, Wells Fargo is, they're not out of the game. They're going to be doing some jumbo loans for their clients, but I mean, they're not going to be focusing on this product from the sound of it. They're mostly looking at uh, a lot of, you know, down payment assistance programs or looking at working with existing customers. Uh, they're, they're looking at just very different types of products. So they're out of the game basically to more or less, 
And so that leaves in second place. First Republic was the second biggest. And they actually eclipsed Wells Fargo in the first quarter of 2023. That, as you might have recalled, is pretty short-lived. So, you know, I think it was like early March that everything really kind of, you know, it was, it was like the locust came and First Republic had problems pretty quickly. And they survived up until I want to say it was early May and the FDIC sold them to JP Morgan Chase. They had done about 20 billion in the prior year, but in that first quarter of 2023, they did 3.7 billion in non-agency jumbo mortgages. So that was a 37% decline from the fourth quarter and about 56% year over year. Wells Fargo in the first quarter only did 3.2 billion. And that was down 43% compared to the fourth quarter when they were still in the correspondent game. And that was about 80% lower than the first quarter of 2022. And that, that is a, an interesting trend to look at because it's similar when you go up and down the top banks in the jumbo space. So everybody was down. JP Morgan Chase, they were way down. US Bank, they were down. City was down. Bank of America was down. Everybody was down. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really, I think, the question, which is, are these big banks going to find opportunity as the rate situation starts to normalize a little bit and they lower into the sixes? Are they going to find refi business there? Are there going to be uh, purchase jumbos that they're able to realize? Are they going to be competing against some of these non-banks that are going to be vying for those customers as well? I think that's really the interesting part. And then you also have to remember that there are some companies on Wall Street that are eyeing this space too. Goldman Sachs, you know, a pretty well-established bank. Uh, they're interested. Morgan Stanley has been interested in this space. Uh, then you have REITs, you know, not necessarily mortgage REITs, but kind of real estate focused finance companies like Redwood Trust. Uh, they they want to grow into that space as well. So I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for some other players to come in. But right now, I mean, the market for that product is just so bad right now that we don't really know what it's going to look like a year from now. It's I think largely going to depend on rates and how much the, the regulatory requirements and, uh, you know, how much the banks, the big banks really want to put into this channel. We just don't know right now. It, we don't, and it it will be interesting to see if UWM uh, or guaranteed rate, both of which, you know, if you look at um, 22, uh, 2022 volume, jumbo volume uh, by loan count, then they, they both make it in, right? If you're looking at just... Um, uh, when it comes to the the uh, money count, the guaranteed rate's not in there, but it's going to be interesting to see if they can figure out how to do that and if they have the partners to sell it off to in the end. Yeah, and, and so much of their business is, is making sure that their brokers are happy and feel like they have uh, a one-stop shop for all of their products. And so UWM, as the largest lender in America, is very big on California. California is like... A small country, practically, right? I mean, <laughs> right. It's, it's like the GDP of like Croatia. I'm making that up, but it's like, it's huge, right? I mean, it's uh, probably bigger. Uh, and so 
UWM really wants business in California. And a lot of that business is jumbos. And there's quite a few reasons for that. One is just there's a, a housing crisis in California. So that pushes up the price of all the properties in California. Uh, but two, you know, you have a lot of wealthy people and these brokers, they're going to be making good money if they're doing jumbo loans. These loans pay out. You know, it's not it's not like just doing Fannie Freddie and you're looking for, you know, a, a large number of loans. You're, you do a couple jumbos and you're, you're making pretty good scratch that year. So uh, it's, it's a good product for their brokers. And if UWM wants to make sure that their customers only have one lender they ever need to use, and that is absolutely their, their business strategy, uh, getting into jumbos makes a lot of sense. Well, James, thank you so much for walking us through these two great stories in this series. Um, you know, shout out to Flavia and to Will, and I can't wait to see uh, what we do next. I know that Will is uh, working with all sorts of data sets to help us tell even, um, you know, different stories in this. So it'll be fun to look at. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.